In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, this book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. Moving on to Ecclesiastes 4, who would like to open up with just a quick summary of the chapter? Well, I, I think in Ecclesiastes 4, following all of the things we talked about in Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon is going to talk about a lot of like social dynamics and communal situations and invite us into uh, sort of a proper perspective about those things and to choose to trust God rather than to trust our own sense of understanding and deep desire to control things. Okay, so verses 1 through 3. Then I looked again at all the acts of oppression which were being done under the sun. And behold, I saw the tears of the oppressed, and that they had no one to comfort them. And on the side of their oppressors was power, but they had no one to comfort them. So I congratulated the dead who are already dead more than the living who are still living. But better off than both of them is the one who had never existed, who has never seen the evil activity that is done under the sun. So it seems here that uh, Solomon is kind of going back to the reason and experience perspective. And now we're going to look at social, uh, social situations. And he starts with the reality that people tend to oppress one another. Mm-hmm. Now, back when people lived a thousand years, and they didn't have as much time to, um, or didn't have as as much of a time limit as we do. Um, what they we know what they did, they filled the earth with violence, <laughs> and violence begins with, "You have something I want," or "I want to," I want to make choices for you. I want to impose my choices on you instead of letting you make choices. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's where violence, that's the root of violence. And so the desire to control others, the, the desire to ex- extract, let's call it exploit. It's, it's, uh, it's an exploitation orientation. I want to extract something to you for me. And if you want to look around for people who are trying to extract, it's not hard to find. It's, it's everywhere you look. And so Solomon in his wisdom looked around, saw a lot of it, and said, I congratulate the dead more than the living because I don't have to see this anymore. There's so much oppression. And if you're trying to, as you said, Kyle, if you're trying to fix the world, um, good luck. It's a fallen world, and you're just not going to be able to do it. And that's that's part of the reality of the way, th- the way things are. And, you know, uh, if you're going to try to fix it through human to reason experience, you're just going to end up with futility. Yeah, we you know we see that just like throughout history. I mentioned the French Revolution in the last chapter, and 
and uh, you know, there are things going on in our world today, but it's just we we uh, take oppressions and just com- compound them and replace one with a- another, and it's um, you know it's it's a dangerous, sad, depressing world in, in a lot of ways, and and so you know Tol- Solomon here is is acknowledging that reality that reality and a lot of it comes from the uh, oppression comes from the idea that i am trying to with my own reason and experience elevate myself and in order to do so i've got to put a, some other people or groups of people under my heel and so it's insidious and it's the very thing that Solomon is warning each of us to be careful of in in our own hearts it's a madness uh, that spreads into the way that we treat one another socially, communally. Um, and so, you, yeah, Solomon is definitely lamenting this. I think it's important for Solomon, for, I think it's important for us to say that you know, this isn't this isn't the entire story here, that the, the dead are, are, are better than, uh, or one who's never been born is, is better than one who's having to witness this thing. It's, it's specifically about the, the uh, carousel of oppression, and having to bear, to having to watch, having to witness that reality unfold. It's heartbreaking. It's sorrowful. Mm-hmm. It's it's tragic. It's terrible. And and as we see it and experience it, gnaws at us. And especially as creatures who are created with eternity in our hearts, there's a sense of goodness and redemption that we're all longing for. And to see that not come to fruition is is an agony, an absolute agony for us to. Uh, to try to navigate. So as we're as we're going through this, my inclination, and I'll bet just about everybody that's listening here, is to think about the oppression we've observed. But the oppression includes the oppression we've done. Hmm. And um, you know, I have not, you know, uh, gone and uh, and robbed anybody or assaulted anyone or anything like that with a with a deadly weapon or something but I have put people down mm-hmm. I have talked about them behind their back instead of going and confronting them I have um, I have uh, ridiculed them um, you know for my own elevation at their expense um, you know I, I still I still some think back to things I did in high school junior high I still remember some things with a really deep regret mm. because I was an imp- oppressor. Um, and I think of things I've done in my adult life with real regret because I was an oppressor. Why? I was exploiting. I was exploiting. So I was extracting from someone. And and it's not like, okay, I have that don't have that capability anymore. I have a flesh and my flesh wants to exploit. So it's a constant battle not to be this way. And so we can apply this really in two ways. Put to death your flesh, take up your cross and follow me. That is actually the only way you can get away from being an exploiter. And we can look forward to the day when uh, this body of death will be uh, put to rest. And gratefully, we won't have that oppressor living in us anymore. Yeah, when, when we hear these sorts of things, it's like when you hear a sermon at church uh, about the need for confessing a certain sin, your mind goes to like, 
yeah, Kylie really does need to confess. <laughs> you know, uh, we 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 are we are pretty good at, at pointing out the faults of others, and it's just harder to see it within ourselves. But the irony is that we're good at seeing the fault in others because we actually recognize in ourselves. It's just much more comfortable and safe for us to project it onto mm-hmm. the people who are around us. So yeah, we we have all been. You know, we we have all been hurt, and we have all hurt people, yeah. and so this is speaking to to all of us. We are all mm-hmm. not just uh, you know third party observers to this reality. We are participants on both sides of mm-hmm. of this reality. And and again, this is a real. I think this is a real beauty of the Book of Ecclesiastes is that Solomon is saying these things and saying we can't hide from this and we can't yeah. trick it. We've got to address this head on. Mm-hmm. We can't explain it away. Yep. If we want to live a life of value and a life of purpose and a, a life of faith and trust in God, we have to acknowledge what life is and we have to acknowledge what reality is. And you know, it's great to stop exploiting. It's great to love instead. It's, it's all kinds of good things that are due, but. You know, at the at the end of the day, we're going to have to bring forgiveness to the party, um, and we're going to have to trust God for justice. Often, mm-hmm. uh, now there's some cases where we are an authority and we bring justice. Maybe if you're an employer, or maybe if um, you have a job in government as a judge or something like that, to a li- to a limited extent to the things that come to you. The vast majority of things we're going to have to trust to the Lord for that. And for us, forgiveness is essentially letting letting God control that outcome, not us. Four through six. I've seen that every labor and every skill which is done is the result of rivalry between a man and his neighbor. This too is vanity and striving after wind. The fool folds his hand and consumes his own flesh. One hand full of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after wind. So now we get into kind of the economic world, and there's a lot of interesting things here. So first is competition. So uh, he says it's vanity and striving after wind for competition. Now, we tend to think of competition as something good because... It ca- gets it gets the best out of us. Mm-hmm. It causes us to step up and and do best. And there's a sense in which that's true. I I think well, it, I mean, it, it's a reality. Um, and you know, Paul said, you know, I'm in a competition to run the race. Now, he wasn't running against other people, but he's he's striving to get to a goal. So striving's good, and competition has its place, but. The rivalry of one man against another, where does it ultimately result in? I mean, you, you can't ultimately prevail over another rival. If, if, if you run your rival out of business, somebody else will come in and be your rival. Or if you run some rival out of business, now you don't have the enjoyment of the rivalry anymore. The, 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 you know, the, if you're not focused on, hey, this is something other than the rivalry or just accumulating profit, it's just going to be, it's going to be striving after win. On the other hand, if you're somebody that doesn't do anything, uh, you're useless to anybody. Right. Okay, <laughs> so it's useless to try to strive and say I'm going to win. That that outcome's not going to give you not going to give you uh, uh, true happiness. It's even worse if you just sit aside and do nothing. So 
The, the, and I think he's talking again about outcomes rather than enjoying the process. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, um, you know, this is very much what we talk about in our servant leadership tools is, is a me there, right? It's my vision and other, other people are obstacles to that vision. And so we, I have to fight to overcome somebody else so that my pedestal is elevated and, um, you know, Solomon is saying here that, that that's, that's part of this whole, uh, like, aggressive attempt to come to completion by our own reason and experience. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we slay the people who are around us and sometimes the people who are closest to us. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work. You know, like you're saying, we slay somebody, somebody else just rises up in their, in their place. There is billions of me's in this world and so if i you know the old highlander series there can be only one if, if i set myself against all the me's in the world then i'm just i'm just gonna it's gonna just be banging my head against the wall forever there's always going to be somebody i'm trying to one up somebody i'm comparing myself to somebody i'm i'm trying to beat in hopes of making it up one more rung up the ladder towards my my own reason and my own experience leading to a sense of completion on the other hand, I can just enjoy the process along the way. That's that's what we had in the last. That's that's not what people tend to do, but that is an alternative for us. We can enjoy things along the way. We can enjoy our work. We do definitely want to avoid being a, a fool that just does nothing and is a consumer. But verse 6, uh, one hand full of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after wind. Balance is important. Mm. So um, we, we want to make sure that we are good stewards of our body and of our energy. And taking time to rest, taping, taking time to recreate, recreate, um, take, you know, having ample variety in our life to, uh, so that we, don't, that we don't get ground down. And that's part of this is self-knowledge to know what we've done. Mm-hmm. You, 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 it's a, it's a, life's a marathon, not a sprint. And, uh, you know, Jesus told the parable of the, of the virgins and, and the ones that were commended were the ones that made it all the way to the wedding feast, you know. So in the spiritual life, in the work world, in, this, it's, it's in the in social world, you pace yourself. You know, you, 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 don't, you have limits. You only have so much energy, so much time. So pace yourself and make sure you've got good balance. And that's just wisdom. Yeah, so Saul, he's mentioned some of the value of work, right? And so here he says one handful of rest, which makes the assumption that the other one is full of labor. And it's very what you're talking about, balance. And we as, as people who are just limited capacity creatures who seeking fulfillment through our own reason and understanding, we tend to overcorrect to extremes, which is what is happening in verse 4 or 5. Rivalry, I've got to destroy everybody. That doesn't work. Okay, well, I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> and what he's saying is that, no, we've got to hold these things in tension where you're, you're uh, working and you're resting. Uh, you're, you're trying, but you're content. Uh, we've got to help. We've got to do our best to live that sort of balance and exist in that sort of paradox that's the same thing that's true of so much of who Jesus is 
And so much of the kingdom of God, we talk about the kingdom of God as something that's not fully realized, but it's something we can fully participate in today. Mm-hmm. And so holding the, the, that thing in tension is those two things uh, at the same time is challenging. It seems much simpler for us to just focus on one thing or the other. I just need to rest, so mm-hmm. I'm just not going to do anything. Yep. And that leads to its own set of, of issues. And we're like, okay, well, I'm lethargic and apathetic and I haven't done anything, so I need to just w- be a workaholic. And then we've shifted too far in another area. And so balance is such a mm-hmm. huge part of what he's talking about here. The, the do-nothing uh, ex- uh, extreme is foolish, Solomon says. And the workaholic trust in your outcomes obsessive is futile. Yeah. Yeah, so we don't want any either either of those. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.